This is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, former TNA X Division Champion and former TNA World Tag Team Champion, and you are listening to the TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Enjoy. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 139 of the TNA Crossline Podcast. I am Bob Conning Jr. And with me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are finally coming off of Victory Road. And you may be wondering, Bob, you've already done that with the best damn wrestling show. But we're not really counting those in terms of continuity and storyline because, as we've said before, that's really just to get more eyes on the product, although the argument could be made that it, it might have been used to get more eyes on the best damn sports show since Impact has regularly gotten better ratings despite being on in the afternoon and then that show being on at, uh, I think, 9 o'clock at night, which I never realized. I always thought it was on at, like, 6, but apparently it was on at night. But we are now out of Victory Road, and if you haven't listened to the best damn wrestling show specials, which I wouldn't blame you because there's about to be five episodes in the span of seven days for this podcast. You got to pick and choose the end of the world. Pick Victory Road. Victory right. Road. Yeah. Yeah. You want to probably listen to Victory Road. Yes. Yeah. You have to choose. Uh, NWA world champion. It's still Jeff Jarrett. He retained over Jeff Hardy. And that is because Kevin Nash saw the light. Now we originally run to the impression that Kevin Nash was aligned perhaps with Jeff Hardy because Jerry had said that he was with Jeff Hardy. Well, Victor road comes around. Kevin Nash marches on down with, I believe two guitars. He's looking at Scott Hall. He's looking at Jeff Hardy. And he looks back at Scott Hall and hands him a guitar. And Jeff, Jeff Hardy gets three guitar shots to the noggin. And Jeff Jarrett retains because Kevin Nash knows where the money is. And the money is with Scott Hall as the outsiders. Although I don't know if they're going to call, call them the outsiders here in DNA. Yeah, that's a really good question, too, because they've been referring to them as outsiders, but not right. the outsiders. The outsiders. Right. Which is actually is very smart on their part, because let's just say for argument's sake uh, that WWE happens to own the copyright for the outsiders, uh, which they probably do. Um calling them just outsiders in general isn't wrong and also not calling them that as a group. So kind of a smart little play on words there, um, which I always enjoy uh, when they do things like this in wrestling where they like, like when they used to do uh, Cody and Brandy Rhodes because <laughs> he couldn't be Cody Rhodes or uh, Billy and Austin Gunn. <laughs> it's like, okay. Like, I think that kind of shit's really funny. So, uh, referring to them as outsiders, but not the outsiders, is a really fun uh, play on you know who we all know they are. Right. Uh, the X Division champion is still Petey Williams because he successfully defended against AJ Styles in a sub ten minute match, which is a little surprising, but still a good match. 
Uh, America's Most Wanted won the last team standing match against Triple X of Christopher Daniels and Nick Skipper. Uh, not one of their better matches, but really with context now, because it's something I never really realized in the past, is that Eelix Skipper, probably about, I don't even know, three or four minutes into the match, was knocked loopy on a top rope mm-hmm. or middle rope leg drop, whichever it was, by Chris Harris. And he was just out of it uh, for the remainder of the encounter. So um, that's kind of important to note there. Uh, the first ever Monsters Ball, which is where they were locked up for 24 hours. No light, no water, no food, no bathroom. Oh, wow. I never thought about the bathroom part of that. Yeah. Tell me where, you know, I guess, I guess they were just shit in the room. No wonder they were so sweaty. They were holding in their poop. Right. Uh, <laughs> Mon- Monty Brown won that one. He defeated Raven and Abyss. So... Monty Brown, who knows? Is he a number one contender? Is he going to maybe get a shot? We'll find out. Gotta be, man. Gotta be. We'll find out soon enough. Um, The other main thing, too, is I believe that uh, Three Life Crew are the new tag team champions. They defeated Team Canada. Hector Garza won the X Division Battle Royal or Gauntlet for the gold, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if that necessarily equates to him being a number one contender. I, yeah, they didn't really sure. say, but I my in my opinion, this means he's going to get a future shot at the X Division title. I think it's going to be one of those. Yeah, that's that's what I would have to assume. Uh, Trinity's open challenge uh, for any woman in the business turned out to be Jacqueline. Which I do keep forgetting that she just made her debut. Now, will she stick around? Was it a one-off? I don't know. We don't really have a women's division. Um, so I do think... If she did stick around, I feel like they're going to pair her with a team, like a tag team, to then kind of feud with the New York connection, right? I feel like that would have to be the way they'd have to handle that. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. Do you think that who could she who could she go with? Three Life Crew. I was thinking America's Most Wanted. She kind of does the cowboy hat stuff. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's it. And I just think New York Connection, America's Most Wanted, they have history. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm getting that idea. But I like, could, I could see them doing like a six person tag. That's what I. Yeah, right. that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. So not necessarily becoming part of uh, a team, but like joining forces to then essentially have a six man, and then that might be the end of that. Right. Okay. That would make sense. Uh, there was a minis match. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the names. Styles. Oh, okay. I, no, I think I got it now. It's Masquerita Sangrada defeated. I We learned on the pay-per-view. I believe it's Parita Morgan. Right. Parita. So that, yeah, Parita. That happened. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, there was a kind of, I guess, unadvertised special attraction eight-man tag. Uh, also on that show on Victory Road. And that was with Eric Watts. Who would have thought we'd see him again? Johnny B. Bad, Pat Kenny, and Ron Killings defeated the team of Dallas, Kid Cash, and the Naturals. And Dallas, uh, or excuse me, Kid Cash, um, that was not his only appearance because later on he was involved in the Piper's Pit segment, which, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, included Jimmy Snuka. Yep. And Kid Cash proceeded to use a coconut on Sanjay Dutt. Mm hmm. 
And <laughs> what was weird is that like the heels that were also involved in that looked at and he like could cash was like, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't know it was even there. Mm-hmm. Because of course we're reliving the moment back in the eighties when Piper did that to Snuka. So now the equivalent here in TNA is could cash doing it to Sanjay Dutt. Yeah, pretty wild. That was also um, Pat Kenny's return uh, because now he's the Empire Saint. That was his return match, I believe. Um, Eric, dude, I keep forgetting that Eric Watts was there, and because we just haven't seen him in so long, and like, was that just a one-off? Did they did they feel like they owed him since what, how long he was with them that he deserved to be on that first event? First big three-hour show, and they were, like, calling Eric up? I don't know. That just seems like a really random slot. And Johnny B. Bad, we know he made his Impact debut just two days prior. But he's kind of been hovering around because of an explosion match and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, another th- another tidbit here, back to that uh, 20-man gauntlet, was that Michael Shane is no longer Michael Shane. Right. I think, yeah. Very he's important. Matt uh, on the Best Damn Wrestling Show, though, he was known as Michael Shane. That was taped, of course, before Victory Road, which cements the idea to us that that name change was a last-minute thing. Right. In Dallas, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but I have the majority of the NWA cyberspace shows that took place in New Jersey. It featured a lot of TNA talent. I'm watching the show from May of 2005 right now, reviewing it. It's been taking me a couple of days to get through it, I will admit, but... On that show, Michael Shane is on the show. Mm-hmm. And he goes by Michael Shane. That's so fucking weird. So he's going by Matt Bentley in TNA. But then Which is his... Independence, he's Michael Shane. Matt Bentley is his real name. Right. So, very interesting. Does he revert back to Michael Shane, though? The, okay, so... I... I don't know. <laughs> is the, the short nice. answer to know. that? And the only reason I'm going to say he doesn't is because I know he has an action figure that comes out, and it's Matt Bentley. It's not a Michael Shane action figure. So that's the only reason I'm like, I don't know if he actually does go back. I don't know. Uh, super weird. Um, That'll be interesting to keep an eye out on. Uh, before we get any further, there's one more thing that happened at Victory Road that we do keep kind of forgetting about which is like insane because it's probably the biggest thing to come out of the show oh fuck yeah uh bob's favorite wrestler the macho man randy savage made his tna debut at the end of victory road after kevin nash cut quite the promo uh which is bonkers it's freaking insane um and over the next i'm going to say several shows here on the tna cross the line podcast we have a lot of interesting and fun things to talk about that. A lot. I think, you know what, I think the reason why I keep on forgetting about it is because I, I just, I don't want to remember Randy Savage in this, uh, in this capacity. Well, the thing is, like, I think I forget it because I forget it happens at Victory Road, just in general. Like, in my memory, I'm not going to say much further than that. We will see, but I think of a different moment. Right. Um, and so I forget that this is the big, the big thing. Um, but it did happen, and it was pretty freaking cool. So 
Yeah, um, I would assume so. They're coming out of uh, the pay per view, uh, and I apologize as if this is a, a longer winded opening, but well, we are coming out of the pay per view. We we did mention that we we're gonna we we're gonna kind of talk a little bit more about it, the pay per view and stuff like that. So I mean, here we are. So I, I gotta add, and I think I asked this um, on one of the other episodes out of Victory Road, but as a TNA fan, viewer, critic, whatever you want to call it. I would have to think the expectation coming out of Victory Road is that Randy Savage is going to wrestle Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, I think that's a very clear observation. And, and realistically, if you're looking at, you know, the 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 TNA roster, okay, I do think Monty Brown deserves a freaking shot. He's deserved it for months. But now you're looking at some very big name stars that have just three mega stars just made their well. One made the return, Scott Hall, but Kevin Nash and Randy Savage and Scott Hall essentially all return. Returning or making their debut on the same night is like insane. Right. Um, and it kind of is like, well, Monty Brown, I think we'll get to you soon, even though you waited plenty long enough. And I personally think it should have happened already. But I think we kind of need to get this Randy Savage thing in. Yeah. Especially in these beginning three-hour shows i mean this one i I would say the big the big draw was to to, to try to get more people in was okay we got kevin ash and scott hall gonna be on the show people were like what like that's crazy so now the next one's got to be randy savage versus jeff jarrett for the nwa title in tna right do you think that there's a potential here and i think even as we continue on later on in tna this would be kind of a uh a critic criticism to maybe look back at but are are we debuting too many of these big names at the, roughly the same time i mean mm-hmm. nash and hall are coming in they haven't wrestled yet savage is coming in giant be bad i uh, was not on the same level but they're also they're all like wcw guys lex luger was on fucking best damn wrestling show yeah, i was gonna bring that up too you know all these guys but like they haven't, and they haven't even done anything, and they're not letting it breathe. So a guy like Randy Savage, as crazy as it sounds, we forget because it's like all these other guys are coming in. At no, the same it's true. Time. It's true, and I do think you know there's definitely a lot. I think the to me Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, the way they worked that made make sense to me because it was obviously part of the bigger story of like whose side are they on, and like they got these guys in the corner. The Luger, like, one-off appearance was, like, really weird uh, in that interview. Because that's another guy where it's, like, we saw, we've seen him before on the weekly shows. And, like, I was never thought I'd see his face again. And there he was in an interview. Johnny B. Bad is, like, another one where it's just, like, so random that I almost think that with Johnny, they didn't, they don't really look at it like that. They're just, like, oh, here he, like, here's Johnny B. Bad. Whereas we're, like, oh, shit, this is, like, crazy like why is this dude on here he's like working so it's it's weird that i i think it's i mean within like three weeks we've had all these people show up it's a lot right and then but then you also can incorporate guys from mexico japan like la park and psychosis right and we can't forget uh jackie moore of course jackie as well moore. i mean right. and she and that's like a, a decent name as a surprise too so yeah dude there's a lot 
I mean, Spanky just made his debut. He's not Spanky. as big, of course, but, you know, same idea. No, but it's the same idea. You have all these new characters coming in. You're Spanky, to... Psychosis, you said uh, L.A. Park. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot to digest. Yeah, it's no, a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on, man. I don't know. Um, I uh, Once we kind of get into the notes here, which we'll be doing momentarily, uh, I'll just warn you. Unfortunately, uh, there's not really an observer uh, coverage of it. Um, so we don't we're, we don't our our deep dive is kind of the deep dive on Victory Road that we're going to mostly talk about. There's a few small things, but uh, unfortunately, it like skips a date. And I think the, the and of course, that means we're missing out on our thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle and the observer. Right. Um, so we don't really have too too much else to talk about, um, but we'll we'll kind of dive in there momentarily more. Um, I mean, I don't know if we really have to go over the best damn sports show uh, cards, but I do want to mention at least we did have the fifth Ultimate X match, right. and this is important because Chris Saban defeated Primetime and Sanjay Dutt, and he is now the number one contender for the X Division title. Um, and the next biggest thing that happened on night two was, of course, Jeff Jarrett defeating Jeff Hardy. Essentially, again, and this time it was in a steel cage. Which blows my mind. If you are trying to get... If you're trying to get a bigger audience... I don't know. Jeff Jericho over Jeff Hardy. And I think you're trying to maybe position Jeff Hardy as your top babyface. You know, him and AJ, I would assume, are your one, two, and then Monty Brown, probably your third at this point. Yeah. Um, to have him lose, and I don't, I don't think there was like overly a lot of shenanigans involved in that. Not in that match. No. So that's it's, just I don't. I do understand that. or the approach here, the booking right. here. Styles did jump, come in at the end and jump off the cage because Hardy missed like a swanton off the top. Right. Yeah. So and Jared might have used the chain if I'm remembering. Yes, he did use a chain. Yes. But I'm saying like it wasn't like you know. Four guitar no, shots. Yeah, no. Uh, but that's really the the notable stuff that came out of those shows. I mean, we had like a random flag match. Styles and Abyss had a tables match that I thought was pretty good, but they always work good together. Uh, we saw Puppet again for the return of Puppet, which I thought was fantastic because it's Puppet. Um, yeah. I don't really think... Oh, and Tio was back as well. Besides that, there's a, not a, re- a really not good match between Ron Killings and Raven on night one. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that wasn't good. Um, but yeah, besides that, it was just random matches to try to feature guys. Uh, we covered those, um, you know, just a, yesterday and the day before, if you're listening to this show on Saturday. Um, but I think that's really all we got to cover about that. I think I have a brief note on that, too. So I guess without further ado, let's um, let's get into some notes, Bob. And I got some stuff that we'll save during the show as well, because I knew we were kind of going to have a, a, a decent uh, opening discussion here. Um, so let me get to the best damn sports show note first, just because, you know, we are, I think I want to get past it at this point. Um, Dave Meltzer writes, this is, so for reference, um, this observer is November 22nd. So we skipped the other week. So that's how late we're at. But all uh, the ratings for the TNA episode of the best damn sports show period were 0.31 on November 10th and 0.35 on November 11th. Uh, the show is said to average a 0.14 or 0.15 on a usual Wednesday or Thursday, so they did double the ratings. 
That's pretty. That's pretty good. Uh, TNA yeah. officials were disappointed though, uh, as they believed that they were predicted to get a 0.5 or a 0.6. FSM officials had told them that they could average a 0.35 for both for the two dates that they would earmark Monday nights on Best Damn Sports Show. Uh, period to a weekly best damn wrestling event show from 8 to 9 30 p.m or getting the one hour jump on raw and going head to head for 30 minutes uh, with tom arnold john saley chris rose and brian cox involved in the promotion uh, now with the numbers coming close to that it's still a possibility though i don't know why why I they would that. i don't know why they would even want to do that yeah, I don't, I don't really either. I mean, I understand that Monday is like a wrestling night, but in 2004, I don't think a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, I'll just watch TNA over WWE Raw. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's fucking Fox Sports Net. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, it, Dave also goes on to say that he thought that the best damn wrestling event period segments were a major positive overall. Which is interesting if you actually watch it, uh, because they just shit on wrestling the whole time. But uh, he does say the best damn sports show period crew uh, being there gave TNA a major league feel, and the production was first rate. Uh, but he does note that Tom Arnold was the only one who came across like it was beneath him, clowning around. But it was the same. Uh, it was the same way the early Saturday Night Main Event show economy segments were. Uh, most of the matches were very quick. And on the first night, they shot a bunch of angles to build for the second night. And, of course, we mentioned the Ultimate X, which Dave notes was fantastic. And a match um, like that inherently is a stunt show. But they came up with great stuff uh, off the high wires. And Dave says that he gave that one four stars, which uh, I believe we did mention on the previous show. So, uh, Pretty uh, big, and he was even saying that Tom Arnold doing announcing cutaways couldn't hurt the match, even though it would have been better without it. Because remember, he they kind of kept cutting him in um, during that Ultimate X match, right for his incredibly witty one-liners, mm-hmm. in- including the one where he says he referred to the three guys as, and this is quoted from Tom Arnold and the Observer: the white guy, the black guy, and the Indian guy. So there, that if if you didn't know uh, what Tyron Arnold was acting like, that pretty much sums that up for you. You know, in twenty twenty two standards, if I mean, I don't think that type of comment would fly, you know, today. So if like people gave him shit, he'd be like, "Well, uh, you guys don't know comedy." Yeah, <laughs> that's, Wait, that's it, funny. Right. And he pretty much, um, it, you know, it, it's obviously a lack of respect in general. And Dave even notes that as well. So it it, it was known that it was just shitty uh, stuff then too, really. But it definitely wouldn't be flying now. Um, and, and Dave does also say that he thinks there's too much of the wrestling is fake stuff on both nights, which I think is pretty, um, we can agree on. Um, and I think there was a the really bad segment that Tom Ronald did interviewing fans. Um, like, for example, asking him which is more fake wrestling or Pam Anderson's boobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically just shitting all over the, the, the wrestling fans and stuff. I don't know. I thought it was bad luck, but whatever. Well, you know, the, like Chris Rose did a lot of the, uh, you know, wrestling's fake thing, but he, I mean, he was doing it as like a character. I think his was, yes, it was more like, that's a character we want to hate him. Tom Arnold was being a dick. Yeah. Tom Arnold was like, oh, that doesn't hurt. 
Or like even that looks like it hurts or whatever. You know what I mean? Like don't Just take don't take that like, fucking show at like, yeah, the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like don't fucking throw it in my face. Right. Um, and as we mentioned, that Hardy Jarrett main event on the next note, uh, Dave said that it was good. Uh, Hardy missed that Swanton off the cage, um, and him standing up there looked scary as hell. Uh, Jarrett used the chain, as Bob noted, for the pin, and post match Styles came off the cage as well. Uh, and Dave also notes that the funniest thing on the show was a long rundown of the top five finishers. <laughs> the hottest finisher in the business, the Canadian Destroyer, was ranked only number five. And what was number one? He says, "Do you have to ask?" Of course. The stroke. You gotta love it. Well, here's the thing, and I, you know, if if you were to ask Jeff Jarrett that on his My World podcast, you know what he's gonna say. <laughs> Connie, Connie, how many NWA World titles did the Destroyer win? Oh man, <laughs> zero. The That'd stroke, so baby. So I won a few titles: WCW title, the Intercontinental title. Come on, Connie. Crazy. Um, as far as victory road stuff um, I'm going to be going to Alvarez which he actually does not say as shitty stuff as you normally would think because Dave doesn't really talk about it um, which is unfortunate but you know is what it is Um, he uh, Alvarez notes uh, uh, in the November 15th um, figure four wrestling article uh, that the reaction that we got was generally favorable Nobody thought it was a blowaway show, but he also says, luckily for TNA, WWE has put on some shitty and forgettable pay-per-views over the last six months or so. Uh, and, of course, he says, though, that the bad news, of course, is that the main event angle uh, is right out of 2000. And 2000 was the point where WCW was on its own victory road toward Fahawa, is what he says. Uh, the good news is that both the Gauntlet and the X Division title matches were said to be very exciting. Now, this is important to note that he does say earlier in this section that he did not see the pay-per-view himself. So he's going by word of mouth. You know, okay, that's fine. But if there's anything trashing it by him, we got to take that with a grain of salt because he didn't right. see it. right. And that's why he luckily, does, I mean, at least in these parts I'm, I'm pointing out, he does say they were said to be or, you know, what he what he heard, you know. But, you know, um, but here's and another thing, though. I don't even know. I don't even unless I've seen the show, I don't know if I had to report what other people say, because other people that may hate the product will just tell you a lie and have you spread it to, you know, however many people get a newsletter. And then those people are gonna be like, well, these people don't like it. Why would I watch it? Right. That's why it's very important to, you know, have a level of integrity when you do these reviews or whatever, because there are going to be people, it's like movies, you know, if you look at reviews and reviewers like this movie sucks, don't watch it. I might not go to the theaters and then I'll buy it or rent it or something and they go, oh, wow, that's actually a good movie. Yeah, I'm dealing with that with a video game I got right now. I'm telling you, people were shitting all over it. I'm having a great time. It's, it's, a, it's a Batman one. It's the Gotham Knights video game, yes. They were there were people. I've heard nothing but good things about this. I think. Like IGN gave it like a five out of ten, and like there's there's a lot of like people being like this is like such a shitty game and blah, blah, blah. but like it's a lot of fun and I think most people who actually play it have been enjoying it. So it's just one of those weird things. But regardless, um, Alvarez goes on to say, long story short, most of the feedback we received was not from people saying they hated the show and that they would never buy it again. Therefore, I think this means a good number of them will give the December show a try. And now the thing is that they need to shoot for a home run show every single month without fail. 
the situation is too tenuous right now for them to have even one bad show. Um, so overall, uh, people are saying Victor Road uh, was a good show. Uh, I think we both uh, said we enjoyed it as well, if I remember correctly, Bob. Uh, I would say that show was better than I remembered when I originally watched it. Yeah, and I mean, of course, there's the things we don't like. We don't like the Hardy thing, where we were disappointed with America's Most Wanted Triple X, but for, I mean, things happen. It's not, you know, their their fault, really. Um, yeah, I think overall, it was a very good show. Um, now, one more uh, interesting note that came out of Victory Road Weekend. If you remember, Bob, they had the total non- non-snap action um, event where you could meet wrestlers and all that kind of stuff. It was They tried to make a whole weekend out of it. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna talk more about this in coming weeks as well. There's more stuff that goes into this, but uh, it's noted that most of the guys who did the day long meet and greet before the pay per view, which the fans loved by the way, uh, were paid as little as twenty dollars for the day, and even some of the group's bigger names were paid that. Um, he says, suffice to say, they were not pleased. They were not pleased with what? Getting paid twenty dollars for the whole day of doing the meet and greet the wrestlers yeah oh even some of the bigger name guys were gonna pay 20 bucks 20 bucks okay um that's fucking hilarious. how long was the thing i don't know if i have full i don't think i have full information about that <laughs> um what i will say i'll give you a little bit of a teaser bob um th- because we're not going to talk about this for two weeks more because the way the note works it kind of plays off of our next episode so we're gonna i'm gonna hold off in case there's spoilers um but basically it was um said that you'd be getting paid based on how many photos you sold i mean how many eight by tens that being said someone in particular sold almost all of them and still did not make that much money so well we're gonna i i don't want to hold teaser but i also don't want to spoil stuff so I'm going to hold off on talking about that much further, but we're going to dive real deep into that soon. Um, let me see what else I got here for pre-show notes. Scrolling, scrolling. Got all shit going on. Um, last rating that we got uh, from the October 29th show did a .18 rating, bringing the overall average down to a That's uh, what That's noted there, but also I have a rating for the November 5th Impact Show, and that did a 0.18. And then that brought the uh, average slightly up to a 0.21. This is Alvarez, if you couldn't guess by how how much he's talking about the average of ratings. Uh, Jeff Jarrett was on Between the Ropes Radio, and um, we were just talking about Lex Luger, but guess what? He said there's no plans to use Lex Luger at this time. Uh... (laughs) And we actually talked recently because he was backstage, but he um, did not make a good impression at all a few weeks ago when he showed up backstage, which is probably when they filmed that interview for the best damn wrestling event period. Uh, He'd been telling everyone that he was clean and ready for a new start, but then he didn't exactly show up in the best condition. Uh, He was asked to go back to the hotel, and they found him that night in the bar. Well, you know, addiction's a hell of a thing. Yes, it is. It's not good. It's really not. Um, you know, and the thing too, I, I understand maybe wanting to use Luger because he's a recognizable name, whatever the case is, but he would be a guy that, and I mean, when he did come in, he did 
lose to AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. He was pinned. Um, that would should be the role for like any match that he does. Right. But I can't envision him losing to, you know, Mount Mount Brown. You know he should. But I mean, I, Lex Luger taking the pounce. Right. Um, I actually have one more thing on Victory Road. I was going to hold on to it, but I figure then this kind of wraps up most of our Victory Road talk. Um, and it's about the early estimate on the buys. Bob, would you like to take a guess on the early number? Okay, now, early number. Let's keep in mind, weekly shows, sometimes they weren't even hitting 2,500. Right. And then I'm not going to say the name of the pay-per-views, but I know like the highest they ever do is like 50,000. That's what, according to Jared, at least, like all time pay-per-views. So I'm going to say that, oh, you know what? You saying they didn't get to 2,500 makes me feel like it's fucking embarrassing. And I was one of those numbers. <laughs> Bob helped uh, with this. I did. I was, I was part of the number. I'm going to say, okay, it's a fucking three-hour show. We have TV. Uh, I'm going to say 15,000. Well, the first cable industry estimates for Victory Road on November 7th. I'm sorry. We're, we're just over 30,000 buys. Thir- wow. Which would make this the most successful pay-per-view the company has ever done. Okay, I'm not embarrassed by that. That's not, that's not bad, man. I'm for- glad I was part of the 30,000. There you potentially go. Potentially over 30,000 people. Households, right? All right, good. Yeah. See, I know, I know what I'm doing. I know what it's good to buy a show. And I was supporting them. There you so go. Good. That's all that matters. Uh, now the real test, Dallas. So that's the first, uh, first monthly three-hour show. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to turning point, that's really when you're going to gauge what people thought of Victory Road. Like, did they leave happy? Yeah, exactly. Like after the show's over and you're at home, you're like, oh, what the fuck, man? That is a waste 30 bucks. Or are they going to be like, yeah, man, hell yeah. Randy Savage and Jeff Jarrett, the next, I'm going to watch that or whatever matches are going to be. Right. Well, I mean, we know one, uh, Saban and PD, but give me a break. The main event matches. Right. Yeah, I'm really curious um, as we move forward um, how it's going to look. And I'm glad we're kind of going to get like estimates and buys and stuff for this. Because like a lot of the impact ratings are are not necessarily even accurate. We're kind of just getting like early numbers and stuff, and we don't really know. But yeah, I mean, I don't even know how many pay how, how many of the papers I would even know what their rough estimate is. Right. So yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Um, Bob, I have one more note. I was gonna save it, but it's a little bit longer, and I think it's gonna be a really good talking point to end us on before we kick off this episode of Impact. So I'm giving it to you now. There was a, this is going to be like, this is mind blowing to me. I'll just open with that. Um, There was a big issue backstage at Victory Road with two people. There was an issue backstage with two people at Victory Road. Yeah. Would you like to just take one guess at who these two people could could be? Are they friends? No. No, they're not friends. Okay, I'm going to say Kid Cash is one. Am I right? No. Fuck. Uh, how was the fucking word? Raven. 
No, but I do have actually something about Raven. I think that's on. I think that might be either during the show we'll talk about or next week. Roddy Piper. Nope. Okay. I'm yeah, just kidding. I'm, no, 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 don't even dare. Hmm. They were on the pay-per-view. One of them was. One of them was on the pay-per-view. The other one wasn't. The other one's not even with the company. The other one's not even with the fucking company? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Billy Gunn. No, but, dude, you're giving away my shit. We're going to talk about Billy Gunn, um, <laughs> I think, next next week. Shit, okay. Uh, fuck, who the... I think, I think next week. Who could be causing problems at Victory Road? Um, Matt Hardy. No. Okay, I gotta give it to just, you. Yeah, just, you're struggling here. I'm not gonna. Do it. Well, there's an issue backstage with the Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. Okay, and you're um, thinking Dallas. I asked if they were friends, and they are. The Mega Powers. They are not friends at this time. <laughs> No, you're probably wondering why the fuck was Hulk Hogan backstage at Victory Room. That is a great thing. I never, I didn't know that. Right. Well, Hogan showed up at the pay-per-view with Brian Knobs after Bob Carter gave him an invite. Now, Savage was unaware that this was going to happen. And if you recall, last year, Savage uh, accused Hogan of, of course, being scared in a rap song. <laughs> and he challenged him to a fight in the song. Uh, I highly recommend the Macho Man rap album if you haven't listened to it. It's good. It's, <laughs> it's, a, a, good, good it's a good album. Uh, so Hogan went up to Savage, and they had a confrontation. Now, most sources indicate that it was Hogan trying to smooth things over and offering to work together to make money, while Savage wanted nothing to do with him. So anyway, Hogan stayed and watched the show, and Savage quit. Now, according to to one source... He claimed that Hogan told him he was coming in with Goldberg and Steve Austin to take over, so Savage might as well not bother coming back. Now, nobody believes this story, especially oh since Steve Austin <laughs> hates the Jarrett's <laughs> with such a passion there's probably less than a zero chance of him ever coming in. Plus, Goldberg and Austin aren't even on speaking terms right now. <laughs> oh, okay. my. But then, a few, days, uh, a few days later, after everyone had lost respect for Savage, he announced that he's going to come back. Uh, and he... In, uh, he said he had some stuff he wanted to settle with Hogan in the ring and not in the dressing room. And so I believe what happened is he he quit at Victory Road, and then things are kind of getting smoothed over in the days that follow. Because um, we are going to talk a lot more about this situation. Okay. But. Could you imagine, okay, that Hulk Hogan, Goldberg, and Steve Austin came into TNA and then Impact was still getting like a point one two or <laughs> Could you imagine that? No, I can't. Because here's the thing. TNA probably wouldn't even advertise it. So the first episode in which they all appeared on, it would probably be like, uh, so Goldberg, Steve Austin, and Hulk Hogan came out as the new NWO. And uh, it got a point. It got a point one two. Fucking crazy. And then. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I believe yes. Hogan, the part of Hogan being like, hey, let's make money. I, I can see that. That's wrestler shit. But what's funny is like Savage has all these, all these issues, and he never beat Hulk Hogan. He never pinned Hulk Hogan. So I'm sure that Hogan would be like, "Hey, Macho, let's do this." But like, brother, I gotta go over. I gotta go over. It's our story. It's our story. And then Macho would probably be like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fuck me, I should never get a win. Who cares?" Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, it's a, really wild to me once again that Hulk Hogan was backstage at Victory Road. 
Just like watching the show. Just chilling. Oh, yeah. Um, especially after he essentially bailed on the company. Um, but yeah, that's a situation we will be assessing more, I believe, in uh, in about two weeks. Uh, just, well, due, just due to some things that are going to be happening in the, over the next uh, show here today and next week's episode. But Right. And the thing with with Hogan, though, like, you know, ditching the company back in 03 or bailing on them in 03 or whatever. Uh, he's the amount of money that he's made for various wrestling promotions to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering TNA has never seen that type of money to this point or ever. Uh even at the slightest hope of him ever wanting to work there, they're probably going to be like, um, yeah, you can just like bail on us all the time. But like, just the idea of potentially working with you, we're going to take that chance. Yeah, no, I, that that would make sense, though, to me. Yeah. That's Crazy stuff, man. Hey, brother, uh, you might as well not even come back because uh, Bill and Steve are coming in with me and we'll take it over. I like that. Everyone's like, yeah, we don't believe that story. And it's like, no, no if you read that. No. That sounds like such bullshit. Can you like Steve Austin like retiring from wrestling and not doing a WWE, uh, WWE match ever again? But then it's like the GNA. All right. Well, the Goldberg thing is actually kind of interesting to me because they were showing the clip a lot of him on the best damn sports show period during the wrestling events that we just saw. Like they showed those like four times. So, you know, like, yeah. Is that is that a hint that they actually maybe were trying to get Goldberg in at this time? There's there's gonna be multiple times in the future where it's very clear, very clear that they're trying. Yeah. But I I think Goldberg would have out of all of the names would would have been a more likely guy to come in. Especially later on when, when they got on a bigger network and that network is paying most of the salary for bigger names. It's actually kinda of mind blowing that it didn't happen during that time. I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean as I mean I, I know there's like one person that doesn't like us talking about future stuff and sorry, YouTube commenter. Um, hey, we still we still like our our YouTube friends. I'm not saying I hate the person. I'm just saying I'm sorry because you know it's been 18 years. Sometimes it's tough. I know. Sometimes you know context and stuff you want to talk about. You gotta just say it because you know it happens. But you know when they get on a bigger network and they're taking guys from WWE. And let's say, I mean, I don't remember the the figures here, but it was definitely high, high six figures, right? For like, I think let's say let's say it was like five hundred thousand dollars. Do you do you think Goldberg is fetching more than five hundred grand a year for the amount of time that he would work? Because like one guy that I'm referencing might have won the gold medal. He would wrestle like you know every TV taping. Yeah, that's a good point. And pay-per-views. So every TV taping, you do two shows a shot. That's 26 there. And then pay-per-views, you're looking at, like, what, 50, 48, what, 30, 38 times probably, roughly? Yeah. And, including house shows that he did? That's a really Goldberg, yeah. That's a good Goldberg's point. Probably, Goldberg's probably like, hey, man, I'll work uh, eight dates and all pay-per-views. And that's not, even, that's not even every pay-per-view of the year. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned eight dates. Keep that number in mind. Okay. Well, am, gotta, am, dude, am I I'm telling you, wavelength with you tonight? I or? don't know. I don't know. I I just got to say, I mean, in the next couple weeks, leading up to Turning Point is going to be, I think, a wild ride with our, our notes. And I can't wait to see how things reflect on the shows. I mean, I think 
we're hitting a point where things are going to get crazy. Well, and I think, again, with the context you have to look at, you're bringing in so many different personalities. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. And they're all big. They're big names. You know, they've had big moments in wrestling. This isn't like bringing in. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Like Jimmy, like Jimmy Rave. Jimmy Rave isn't going to cause waves or Matt Seidel. I mean, I know that both those guys have recently been on the show, but I'm saying as an example. Right. You know, I mean, they're not going to. They're not going to freaking cause a stir. But when you bring in. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Randy Savage. Savage. (laughs) And you already got Jarrett there. Luger, Jarrett. I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. These guys all have a mindset. You you go take a guy from Ring of Honor. He's just going to want some money. You know, he he wants to make a living. But these guys are going to be more worried about their creative and all this other. How can I get the strap and all these other things? Yeah. We'll be talking about money for a lot of guys, too, um, I think, during the show. Can't wait. Um, Dude, I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff going on. Some really good stuff. Um, But I think that wraps up everything pre-show that we need to discuss before we kick off this episode of Impact. I do think that this episode of Impact is going to be crazy because we are coming off this huge, epic three-hour pay-per-view. Um. And, like, I just think anything is could happen on this show. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're coming off a pay-per-view, um, I, I always feel like that next show really kind of tells you what to expect at the next pay-per-view. Right. Like, where they're kind of going in. So, if this is a episode where they set up some really good things, the next, what, four or five weeks of Impact should be pretty intriguing. But if they're going in a direction that, it's like, oh boy, I don't know if I want to do that. The next four or five weeks could be real bad. Right, and I, I'm, I'm gonna say it. Like, this might be, this might come off bad. I kind of hope this is a, a segment heavy show. I just want to, I want to know what some of these guys are gonna say and what they're gonna do. So I feel like, to me, I want this to be fairly segment heavy to drive those stories. I think that if you're gonna have a segment heavy show, it should be the one out of the pay per view. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Because that's to set up your angles, your interviews, the context. The right. Uh, real quick before we hit this play button, we do got to talk explosion before I forget, because there's going to be way too much going on at the show to try to squeeze it in, um, I think. Um, explosion number 103 was taped on, well, it was actually taped on, I think, November 9th is when they did the taping for this. But uh, it aired on November 13th, 2004, and it fe- featured four matches. D-Ray 3000 and Sharkboy defeated Ken Romeo and Mark Stevens. Sanjay Dutt defeated Cassidy O'Reilly. So he he's, haven't seen, heard that name in a while here in TNA. Uh, America's Most Wanted defeated the New York Connection. Oh. And Abyss defeated Scotty Matthews. Interesting. So, I mean, nothing nothing mind-blowing. but uh, Well, it's funny you mentioned uh, Jackie Moore with AMW and they fought NYC. In the tag match. There we go. That's a good point. I didn't even make that connection, but yeah, that could be yeah. And we're back to having crowd numbers, so I can't <clears throat> wait. Let's go. Okay. Uh, that's well. Here we are. We are on the November twelfth, two thousand four edition of TNA Impact. The runtime for this is fifty oh six, which is I think a, a minute or two longer than previous ones. So who knows? Maybe that's just more shit, or is this more ads? 
for turn. Either way. <laughs> yeah, either way, it's just longer. Uh, I'm going to count down from three when I say play. That is when you're going to want to hit the play button if you want to watch along. Head over to Impact Plus, or if you're like me, it's in your own personal collection. That works as well. And so here we go. Three, two, one, play. We got that intro. This is TNA. The new face is professional wrestling. And it's got the same guys. No, uh... Oh! Raven arguing with Zabisco, calling him an arrogant piece of filth. He's choking. He wants a... He wants a rematch with Monty Brown. Oh! It's going on tonight! Raven gets a rematch against Monty Brown tonight. The Age of Apocalypse is a boss. Gotharina, nevermore! That's funny. He is going nuts. Uh, shouldn't he have been choking like Dusty or something? Uh, wow, that's a really good point. Because I didn't think the championship committee is like a thing anymore. Yeah, like, what is Sabisco doing making matches? I thought that was Dusty's gig. Whoa, that's weird. I didn't make that connection. Bob, we still got a shitty song to open the show. That's a bummer. I'm not changing our podcast open until they get a better song. Is, I'm not. Is the graphics, though, different? Like, the guys are showing, doing stuff? I'll be honest. I wasn't paying too much attention. Okay. I mean, it just it looked, it did look different. I'm going to say there's 400 people before you ask me. Okay. Well, there is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who is talking? Is it Don West? His That's voice, Don. his horse, as he's like. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's definitely poor guy. <laughs> he's screaming too much. Victor Rody lost his voice. Well, he's had five shows or whatever in four days. <laughs> he's got. He's gonna be. There like, was. Well, he has had a lot. The best dance sports show was like a week and a half ago, but whatever. You know. That's still a lot at one time. Yeah. Okay, we're starting off with Mike Tanay in the middle of the ring. Is it gonna be dusty? Said the new era and TNA has arrived. That's right, and Dusty. We didn't say that. Dusty is the winner of the DOA right. thing. So Vince Russo is gone. We, if, well, I, say. if I, uh, if I'm starting the show, I'm bringing out Nash Hollinger. You, you, you have, have to, to right? right? Yeah, you have to. He's going through the rundown. Speaking of Vince Russo, though. Um, I don't know when there's a better point to talk about this besides him just bullshitting us. So uh, he did an interview for Blank Norton's uh, bagpipe report the day after the pay-per-view, which is an odd thing for a guy who just retired from wrestling to do, is what Alvarez says. Uh, Russo was unprepared for the wrestling questions and only wanted to talk about God. At the same time, they ran out of time talking about wrestling and were planning to continue the interview. But the main point that Russo brought up was his booking was the way way more believable than anyone else's. And on that note, here we go, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Hall Jarrett. and Nash coming out with him. Oh, I, I saw, saw a second head. head. That's got to be Hall behind him. I think the first one's Hall. It looks like slick hair. Slick hair. Yeah, it is. Yeah, see, okay. This is good. This is exactly how you need to do it. This is wild. I'm just trying to picture myself at home watching this on a Friday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And you, you you get home three o'clock Friday afternoon. Here comes Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, dude. Like what? I, and I, here's the thing. I remember I would watch Impact with my buddy Anthony, who has uh, listened to the Chris Harris interview and commented on our Facebook. So hello, Anthony, out there, my good pal. Uh, 
Thanks for listening. If he is listening to the show. Uh, probably not. Don't blame him. But, uh, yeah, I remember just watching like in his basement, watching Impact at 3 o'clock. And our friends would be like, let's go play football. And we'd be like, guys, hang on. we got to watch Impact till 4, and we'll go out and play basketball. Oh, but I'm the bad one for leaving the birthday party. That's different, dude. That's a birthday party like 9 in the afternoon, 9 at night. This exactly. is just, I was this tired. Is just, I had to watch TNA. <laughs> this is just a little bit of rest. Watch some Impact. And then, uh, then we'll go out. And then play some flag football with the buds. No, we'd play tackle. Oh, is that why you're all fucked up? Yeah. There was one time uh, before they started talking that I was playing football. <laughs> played football. I was tackling my buddy Ryan, and every time I tackled him, I like, punched him in the fucking balls on accident. Every time he's like, "Why are you <laughs> doing that?" And I was like, "Dude, I'm just trying to tag. I don't mean to hit you in the nuts." Yeah. He got mad. He was pissed. Hey yo. Here we go. Now, Mike, here's a recap. I don't know if we've mentioned. Did did Hall have his hair colored at the pay-per-view? Yes, he did. He did? Okay. Not in the videos leading up to. Not the videos, right. Oh, there's another party come up. He goes, oh, and today goes, yeah, December 5, uh, turning point. Hey, Kev, you busy December 5th? Looks like I am now. Scott Hall says he's free. Chizamp. I wouldn't miss it from my world for nothing. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Well, you heard it here. They're all going to be at turning point. Kevin Nash has got the mic now. This is be completely foreign to me because no one handed me a script before I walked through the curtain. So I guess I get to say whatever I want to. Now, I'm getting the vibe before he fully gets into this in the video he sent stuff that he does not give two shits. And uh, I have a feeling this is going to be not a great promo, but let's see. Because I like Kevin Nash, so. I do too. Let me give you guys a little history story, a little lesson. He's going to go way before Jeff Hardy was born. Hmm. 1993. Way before Jeff Hardy was even born. 11 years ago. You got a phone call for Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Diesel was born. Couple of Jay Brones opening match guys drinking beers up and down the road, Scott Hall. The fact that he would suggest that Jeff Hardy is <laughs> not even a lot. <laughs> Time about the click. Shawn Michaels, Scott Hall, Kevin Ash. Triple H and Xbox. And of course, Six is not here with us right now. Uh, to name the scowl. We had all the belts. We held all the power. It's talking about them being the most hated guys. And most importantly, we made all the money. Round of 96. The year that uh, made Austin want to end Icopod for good. 
<clears throat> yeah, well, he's saying that he was a world champion in 96. That's that's not correct. He was a champion in 95. Oof. Right. Yeah, so he's got his ears a little messed up. That's okay. That's fine. He he also claims that he saw Vader in the Orndor fight, even though he was not in WCW. <laughs> he's talking about him and Scott Hall being reunited on June 12th. He's calling Jeff Jarrett one of his running mates. Hell of a big drinker in his own right. And I believe uh, I believe Jarrett is sober now. Yes, he is. I think he said, which is uh, which is good. Went down to Atlanta. Hey, I think one of us was booking for a while, and he stands up and looks around. I think that Kevin Nash excels in promos when he gets to make fun of people. Oh, yeah. But, like, not like this where he's, like, trying to, like, tell a story. Oh. <laughs> okay, someone must have been yelling at him to wrestle. And he goes, son, if you're telling me to wrestle, you haven't watched much of my career. I just take all the money. I let someone else wrestle in the first match. Jesus Christ. That's, that's funny. You're looking at a new unit. Okay, so Bob, we have the official name here of this group. The Kings of Wrestling. That's not Claudio and Chris Hero. See, but... I don't like the way he like just said it. Okay, we're you see this unit? This unit's called the Kings of Wrestling. Good today. <laughs> you got a good attitude, you won't soon. We're gonna bring it down. We're gonna, we're gonna tear this place down, make you hate being in this business, and run you out of here. And guess what? That's right. We'll own TNA. How ironic that Jeff Jarrett is in the group and he sold most of his share. He's still a minority owner, is he? Yeah, I think so. But Now he tells Tanae to get over here so he can finish the interview. And now Kevin Ash is going to Scott Hall whispering in his ear, probably saying, that fucking sucked. <laughs> I, I lost track of what I was talking about. Well, now that we know they are officially the kings of wrestling, all I'm going to say about that is there's some vignettes coming up that I can't wait to see again. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Look at Scott Hall's grabbing the guitar and playing that. Is he? Are they going to hit Tanae with it? No way. Talking about Randy Savage walking down the aisle, the macho man. But when the cameras run off, he was left in a pool of his own blood in the back lot. Haven't been seen or heard from since. Now, Bob. Do they have to do that because he quit? To say that? So, like they don't know at this point, like if he's coming back? Mm-hmm. They're talking about, yeah, they're talking about Hulk Hogan. When they see, and he saw Hall and Nash, he ran so quick. 
that he couldn't get in his Mercedes fast enough to get back to Tampa. Talking about Sting, he's going to keep himself in Venice Beach. Dude. He says every free agent is available, is welcome to come in. But you're looking at the hottest of free agents, which is weird because Jared is not a free agent. He hasn't been for two years. When we, before we leave the impact zone today, we're going to take out two of the top dogs. B.G. James and Conan. <laughs> what? Welcome to Planet Jarrett. Oh, he gave us a final global warning. <clears throat> wow, Bob. Okay, his music plays. What do you think about this? We are, by the way, 12 minutes, 30 seconds into the show. Okay, so a couple of things. Number one, they... And when I say they, Hall and Nash, it just came across so old to me in yeah, that segment. Yeah. And then yeah. another thing is like they're mentioning all these guys, Savage, Hogan, Stang, whatever. And like if you really think about it, Goldberg, whatever, like that's the core of WCW. Why? So if I'm like, you know, Bob Carter or whatever, like why not just just restart? With like all these big name WCW guys, <laughs> but here's the thing: the one thing that you that you can do, but in order to do it, they have to lose to your talent, and that's the problem with a lot of wrestling companies that they 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 don't do that. Right. And then um, that's how there's no growth. Oh yeah, I know. I agree t- totally with that. And we're getting highlights from the X Division Gauntlet. Um, during this, Bob, I want—I don't know if we're going how much we're gonna see him more, and this is a great opportunity. Jeff Jarrett did one other interview with uh, Alex Marsvez. A couple highlights from that. Um, he notes that exposure has always been their biggest battle. The buy rate goes along with the advertising and exposure and growth of the company. After the first show, we'll get a set of numbers that uh, we can gauge the buy rate info and level of success that we had. Uh, we're coming into an unknown number, and it's a shot in the dark to everyone. So this is before we were getting – this is when he was asked about num- essentially the buy rate of the pay-per-view. Uh, he also says – Quote, by the end of the first quarter next year, I would be surprised if we weren't running house shows. Oh, and we're getting more highlights from Victory Road of when Scott Hall came out. Because they said Kevin Nash wasn't there. Um, Jeff Jarrett also says regarding short-term and long-term goals. uh, The short-term is to have a super Victory Road event. Buy rate aside, whatever that number is. Uh, So I'm assuming that this is just really close to this time. Uh, We should be able to better judge the December event a lot more. After that, uh, that's the cold, hard fact of it, he says. In the long term, it would be increasing our awareness and exposure through our distribution partners, the cable and satellite guys, as well as our impact and exposure, uh, or, sorry, explosion television shows, getting on better time slots with more viewers. That's our main goal. So basically, he says what is pretty factual of uh, we need to get seen more. And here comes the three life crew. The new tag team champion with the gold. Uh, indie notes, because uh, it's been several episodes since I've even had the opportunity to do that. Uh, Conan, he teamed up with Juventud Guerrera and Psychosis on uh, October 30th for UPW in Nevada to defeat the trio known as Team University, which was Andrew Hellman, Antonio Mestre, and Sean Riddick. Uh, and I don't think 
any of those guys would be known as anybody else. And right, yeah. So that's just a random tidbit there. Uh, and then PG James didn't do anything, so don't worry about that. We're doing our microphone open here during our ending notes. The new tag team champions of the world. Not one, not two, but the three live crew. Now I'm assuming, yes, I do see the enhancement talent ringside. Right. So they're, we're, we're continuing our trend of no entrances for them. Uh, if you're wondering who they're fighting, it's Jason Static, Justin Cage, and Scotty Matthews. Yep. Who also and, had an explosion match. Oh, oh right. That's right. Um, and I believe that I'm, I'm looking this up now. I I think all three of these guys, and as soon as I say that, uh, I'm wrong. But, or wait, am I wrong? Okay, so oh. Scotty, Scotty Matthews um, had done some CZW. And by some, I mean one. That was the quickest match in the history. Um, dude, it was a 30-second match. But wait a second. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about the match. I mean, they did like a, a high kick, like heart attack kind of thing. So Ron Killings did yeah. his high heel kick. Um, a hockey stick was just broken over the back of Conan. Team Canada is destroyed. Okay, and on Ron Killings. And on BG James. So uh, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, and Scott DeMar are taking out three life crew right now. Yeah, they're just destroying them. Uh, basically, those enhancement guys, you could see them uh, in for USA Pro in, like, 2003. That's literally all I was going to say. So, oh, And here comes Larry Zabisco with the championship committee. I didn't even finish my sentence with these guys. Wow, dude, I can't believe how quick that just was. Here's a limo. Who was in it? JBL. <laughs> okay. Well... We had another highlight thing, so here's another note for you, Bob. Okay. Um, actually, I'll see if I can even get two in. But uh, in a correction from last week, TNA actually did not insist on Jushin Liger to fly to the pay-per-view on his own dime. Uh, apparently, Liger's main complaint was the reason, and the reason that he didn't show, is that he felt like he belonged in a better match than the 20-man gauntlet deal. Um, and after, and Alvarez says, after hearing about the reaction he got at the Ring of Honor shows, he doesn't blame him. Which, Fair. He was worried about the reaction he was going to get? No, he thought he deserved better than to be in the the gauntlet. Oh. And, and because of the reaction, the good reaction he got at Ring of Honor, Alvarez agrees that he probably deserved better. Like a better spot. Oh, yeah. Just to be, rather than be thrown in a... Right. And Bob, I forgot we actually know this already. We are, in fact, getting uh, the the steel cage between Triple X and America's Most Wanted at That's right. Turning Point. Um, hey, another highlight. So let me give you one other thing. You mentioned Billy Gunn earlier. Wait a second. Yeah. We're kind of getting Sanjay Dutt talking about this. Anyway, uh, Billy Gunn has already shown up backstage at some TNA shows. And obviously the idea here would be to bring him in to reform his team with uh, the former road dog, BG James. The problem is WWE owns a trademark for Billy Gunn and Mr. Ass. Which, you yeah. know. Makes sense. Oh, great. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Would he, do you think he'll just come in as, like, as Kip? <laughs> well, they make a joke that I'm not sure if Monty Sop, which is his real name, uh, is going to cut it. <laughs> Dude, Matt Bentley, Kazarian. 
Uh, wait right, a well, second. Wait a second. Wait a second. This is Michael Shane again. It says Michael Shane. And he's carrying a coconut. What is so going what, on? What are we doing? Is it Bentley or Michael Shane? I guess we're calling him Michael Shane. That's so fucking weird. Um, there are. Oh. Some, oh, here's what the fuck. L.A. Park and Psychosis. And Hector, and Hector Garza. Garza. Oh, know. shit, dude. All right. Let me try to get these notes in real quick. Uh, October 30th, Michael Shane teamed up with Tracy Brooks to defeat April Hunter and Slick Wagner Brown at Cyberspace Halloween Horrors. Oh. That could be an interesting match there. Uh, Kid Cash. Uh, he lost to Jerry Lawler back on October 16th for USA Championship Wrestling, Music City Memories in Nashville, Tennessee. And then on October 30th, he lost to Bill Dundee, uh, Memphis Wrestling Throwback Night 3, A Nightmare in, Main- in Memphis, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and I think I got another guy here. Kazarian, back on October 23rd, retained the PWG title when he defeated Ricky Reyes at Use Your Illusion 4. <clears throat> uh, Kid Cash is here. I did not see him. Did we miss Kid Cash's entrance? Um, I'm assuming so, because I only saw Shane and... Uh... Okay, so it's Cash, Kazarian, and Michael Shane versus LaParque, Psychosis, and Hector Garza. Yeah. Pretty fun international X-Division match. And the chairman, of course, standing atop of his chair. I want to see the strut, though. I don't care about the chair. I want to see the strut. He also... LaParque or LaParque has a, like, a weird skirt on. I don't really like it. Maybe it's not... Oh, oh it's, it's off just... now. He He just took it off. I wonder if they took out Cash, you know, because he's a headache or whatever. Well, the weird thing to me is that the internet or uh, the I'm going to call him Team Mexico, the park, um, Hector Garza and Psychosis, they came out and I thought I was hearing Kid Cash's song. I was really confused. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, almost broke Kid Cash's neck with that tilt to world slam. Uh, it almost didn't work, but they broke up the pin and now the match is falling apart again. I need I need to fucking know why it's Matt Bentley or Michael Shane. Like we need to pick. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. When when I saw him on that cyberspace show, it was Michael Shane. It made me wonder. Maybe they just went back to it. Because I don't yeah. really remember him as Matt Bentley. Till like later. It, I, that must I be what's know. happening. Maybe they maybe they're trying it out, but that seems like a weird time to do that. I don't know. On a pay per view. Kid yeah. Cash is the coconut dude, right off the head of Hector Garza. Get out of here. One, two, he pins him. So we're gonna get cash Dutt, right? At turning point, that's gotta be. I'm assuming that's what we're going because Dutt was just talking during that the package there. Yeah. Okay, so that was the next division six, you know, six person tag, and they really didn't do much of anything. And they ended with a coconut shot. Oh, back to the limo, or that's not a limo. That's just a car. Oh. Well, that is not a limo. That is not a limousine. It's not a limo. It's not a limo, and you can see through. Well, the maybe window. it's a maybe it's a mini limo. Oh yeah, he can see through the limo. Yeah, he's in the car, like looking inside. He goes, "Yeah, like, I saw it's not, National Hall, but I don't know who was in this." Yeah, it's not blacked out. Look here, you go. Tinted windows. More video footage of the t- a total nonstop interaction event. There's BG James, who's very pissed about his pay. We'll talk about that soon. I got 20 bucks. 
Wait, BG James is pissed about his pay? Uh. Like, in general? No, about the specifically about the event. Oh, okay. Doesn't that dude look like Teddy Hart? Uh, with the way he had his freaking sideburns, yeah. That's what I mean, yeah. This is like the, the facial hair. I like that they had Spanky and Styles at like a thing together, as if Spanky's been there for like months and like years. He's well, been there for like a week and a half. Well, they just cut to him and it looked like he like yeah, like he was like sleeping. Hey, if anyone has any of the uh, you if you went to the total non-stop interaction and you have any signed merchandise available, set, hit me up. I do have a fantastic signed um, Turning Point 2004 poster that I believe potentially could have gotten signed at some sort of a fan event. Now, I don't know if there was one or not, but... Wait, you have one? Oh, yeah. Have I not signed. seen uh, I don't know. Remind me uh, when I see you in a couple weeks, and I will show you. You don't have it up? No, dude, it's tw- like a 24 by 36. It's a big massive. Oh, shit. I bought Is a bundle from everybody of on the show? Uh, not everyone, but there's some cool ones. I know for a fact, like, Monty Brown's on it. Which is cool because like I don't have his autograph anywhere else. That's pretty cool. I did not. I didn't know how I. I don't know how I didn't know that. Oh, here comes Raven. We're getting our rematch. Uh, speaking of Raven and Conan, who we just saw, they they apparently almost got into a fight backstage over something. Um, mm-hmm. More on that next week. Fantastic. Because I believe it has to go off of what happened with Conan earlier in the show. Raven is coming out like he's very hurt, still from Monsters Ball. He's looking like a psycho. I'm loving the look. There are no injuries for Mr. Raven. Interesting. It always surprises me whenever Raven doesn't have a house or a independent room over the weekend. Give him Although I know his overdue to... title shot. Did you see that? Well, it is an overdue shot. Damn right. He should have at least got a match by now. Whether or not he won it or not, listen, I think he should, but, you know, I understand. Yeah. Are you, do you feel that the lighting during entrances and such has been improved during this show, Bob? Because I feel like they really upped it. Like, when they're coming out, the entrance stage looks way cooler. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel as dark. Yeah, it's like they added some things to the sides when yeah. people come out, like some lighting effects and stuff. So we got Monty Brown versus uh, Raven here. These matches have been so quick tonight. We've barely been able to call any action. Here's a oh no, he went for a bulldog. Didn't get it. Instead, he got a knee lift. Monty Brown did a knee lift to the back, continuing to hammer away. Do you think Raven's going to do the big old job on TV off of a pay per view? Yeah, I do. Is it going to be clean? Well, you know, not if they're kind of teasing that he's angry and stuff, he might even just get himself disqualified. He might. Uh, Raven just hit a bulldog, and now he's face washing uh, Monty Brown in the corner. I think that would like piss me off if somebody literally just pooped yeah. me in the corner. That'd probably make me mad, even if I knew it was coming. What the heck was that? Raven just like stood him up and then got on like the middle rope and then just like kicked him in the face. Yeah. It's not a bitch slap. It's a it's like a bitch kick to the face. Right. Crowd's very split here. Chanting for both guys. I mean, I'm not split. I really, 
I feel like I'm heavily into Mountie right now. I mean, I like Raven, but I feel like Raven just doesn't have a direction. No, he doesn't. And with Mountie Brown, like we kind of know, like, hey, he should probably go for the gold. Like he seems the most realistic threat outside of Jeff Hardy. Side person leg sweep into the guardrail. They're reminding us at the top here at the Fox Box at Turning Point, December 5th on pay-per-view, which is incredibly close, Bob. We are literally, we have four impacts, including this one right here, before Turning Point. I didn't even think of that. It's insane. I didn't even realize that. I don't hate that, though. We're going to be flying. Like, it's going to feel like time does not exist. Around hammering away. Uh, I was going to say, though, just a couple moments ago when Raven did that side rushing into the uh, railing, I think he hasn't hit that move good in like five years. <laughs> Exploder suplex there by Myra. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a pounce here in a minute. Why did the camp, the light just change? Why does everything look different? Uh, is it like a red? No, I think they went to a different camera, and it's just, yeah, it's like just something looks weird. I just noticed at the top of the screen, it was really hard to see, but they they had a, a different screen up at the top of the Fox box. Yeah. It was weird. Some kind of production. So, see, the, it changed again. It's like the saturation's yeah, down. Yeah. Oh, here we go, the pounce. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. I was going to say, we got three minutes into the match, which is one of the longer matches of the evening. Uh-oh. Oh, abyss. There's abyss. How do you not see abyss just casually slide into the ring? Oh, oh. shit, the black hole slam. No way. Is Raven going to win? Well, the referee is still down. Is somebody else coming out? <gasps> oh, Holy my God. Shit. It's me. It's me. It's DDP. Holy Dallas, shit. This is the fucking episode I watched with Anthony. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was man. talking about. He's measuring Raven. Come in. How does Raven not know? The diamond cutter. Oh, shit, on Raven. I fucking remember this moment. Dude, towel guy was just losing his mind. This is like, who's that guy? Raven had um, Monty Round in the Raven effect, but uh, that was stopped real quick. The crowd's losing it. I can't believe it. He must have been who was in the, the limo car. Car, yeah. That's a cover for Raven. Wow, dude. What in the world? Talk about okay. too many debuts. Oh, who the hell's that guy? Wait, who the- I'm sorry, behind a biz. That's a hooded guy. That's got to be Mitchell, right? It's got to be. Hello, son. Well, he doesn't have long fingernails. Is it Dutch? We're not gonna know. That's so dumb. That is so crazy. That I mentioned watching Impact with fucking Anthony, and this episode is DDP. I remember us fucking <laughs> being like, "What the hell, DDP's here?" Yeah, that's crazy. And then you had to go play football after all that excitement. Yeah. What do you oh, think, Bob? Uh, well, it was probably football. November. Yeah. What do you What do you think about DDP being here? I think it's too much, man. I it's really think it's too much. It's a lot of WCW, you know. In the past, so Victory Road would have been last Sunday, so that's, what, five days? You yeah. Paul Nash, Savage, DDP, Luger, 
trying to be bad. Trying to be bad. I I think it's too much. We're it'll gonna be get Monty Brown package. It'll be interesting to see how DDP. I mean, this is even speculating the whole Russell. It'll be interesting to see how he can perform. You know, because he retired in 02 because of his neck. I was just wondering about that. I was just going to look it up. Yeah. Um, so. We have more highlight package. I'm going to give you my final note quick during this just to kind of get it out of the way. Um, Ron Nimi, I think is how we say his last name, Nimi. of NWA Florida. Upon reading this, apparently uh, went crazy tearing TNA apart for claiming to be high and mighty despite their attempts recently to begin paying enhancement talent zero dollars per appearance. We talked about this recently. Quote, it was only a few weeks ago that NWA TNA decided it was no longer going to pay its enhancement talent. Uh, he wrote, quote, many talents quit at this notice as simply could not afford to take off mid work midweek and travel to Orlando for no pay. NWA TNA still owes some of these wrestlers and referees checks for their final appearances. Checks, uh, which as of November 12th, 2000, hey, it's a typo, as of 2005, it says, um, still have not been sent after several requests to do so, uh, TNA, uh, hold on, I lost my spot here because Chris Sabin's talking on the screen. Sabin's saying that he knows the counter to the Canadian Destroyer. I feel like he doesn't know the counter. No. Um, basically, uh, there's no uh, smaller guy in pro wrestling. Because uh, basically, just TNA can talk all they want about how WWE is a bully. And... Uh, he just keeps doing. He bitch, keeps bitching about it. It's honestly the more important part right here is this guy is um, essentially pulling his guys from doing this because they're not getting paid. Right, and I I tend to agree with that because they should get paid. Right, uh, and exhibition champion Petey Williams being interviewed backstage here. He's going to learn the lesson, the same lesson that AJ Styles learned, that there is no counter. What'd you say? Is his lip bleeding? Yeah. Why does Shane Douglas always have a look of absolute confusion as to what he just heard? I love it. That goes for like everybody. Like Michael Cole in the Attitude Era, they like somebody would cut a promo and he'd be like, "What?" Yeah. The Rock Here is going to beat up Steve Austin tonight. Alex Shelley with this fucking awful song. Let's see if uh, Alex Shelley. I mean. I feel like coming off of that pay-per-view, they probably didn't do anything before, just for like injury purposes, but I feel like I still have to check. Here comes Chris Saban. Here. So we're getting Saban versus Alex Shelley. So these guys start, just um, on our last episode of Impact, they started off a smaller gauntlet match with each other. I think it was, or no, it was a couple weeks ago, actually, sorry. I was thinking a few weeks back. Uh, back on November 4th, uh, which I guess would have been the same weekend as Victory Room. Uh, Nigel McGinnis defeated Alex Shelley uh, for the IWA Mid-South Heavyweight title number one contendership. Ah. And uh, we'll see if Mr. Sieben did anything. Well, here comes Petey Williams. So it looks like the story we're kind of going into with this exhibition title match is that Saban swears he knows the counter to the to the move, and Petey says, no, you don't. Right. There is no counter. Uh, Saban wrestled on both the uh, on November 4th and November 5th. Um, 
basically both I did the mid south shows, and on both shows he defeated Brandon Brandon Tomaselli. Wait a second. I, Very interesting. They are saying that both Saban and P.D. Williams have both trained under Scott Demore in the same class. That is why Saban is saying he knows this counter. So there is a little bit of depth to that. I, I think I like that. Well, I wonder what the counter is, like a low blow or something? Oh, uh, you know what? I bet you it's a backdrop. <laughs> That's the counter. I don't know why you'd think that. Oh, he's hitting the nuts. It kind of looked like it. Going for the cradle shot? No. Shelly gets out. Okay. Pump handle. Oh. Pump handle twisting face buster. Two count for Shelly. Shelly cannot believe it. Uh, if you're following along, we're at 36 minutes, 31 seconds. Ooh. Saving kicks him in the midsection. Goes to the middle rope. Wasn't even close to hit that. Insiguri to the side of the head. Back of the head. And then going for the cradle shock, it looks like. And they got a nice camera angle of Petey Williams watching from on the screen there in the background. And that's a pin. Does, um, does like locking up his feet really impact that move at all or no? I think it helps with the cover aspect at the end because sometimes he'll just pull those in. Uh, Petey Williams hit the ring. Um, I also think that it kind of helps him maybe from escaping as easily. Going for the the Canadian Destroyer. Oh, he just dropped down and picked him up and hit the Cradle Shock. Dallas, I'm shocked that they just showed him counter that on TV. Well, I did not think they were going to do that. I don't know if I would do that. Peter Williams kind of spoil is... the fact that he does know how to do it. That should have been the can he do it on paper? The whole lead into it, yeah. Wow, wow okay. dude. Well, I'm surprised. Pretty pretty yeah. nice little transition into the cradle. Yeah, yeah. No, that was better than a backdrop counter. He just dropped down and did it. And look, Shane Douglas going to try to interview DDP. Don't stick the through my face. Come on, we've been friends a long time. Can't you give me a scoop? He goes, Raven knows exactly why I'm here. Is that, is that a scorpion on his shirt? Hey, Raven. Nevermore. And he gets inside of the the car, the car limo, and he leaves. Sounds like DDP and Raven have unfinished business. Bob, would you like yeah. to help us out with that? What's their unfinished business? Well, I would. the only unfinished business that I'm aware of is uh, <laughs> WCW 1998 over the U.S. <laughs> Championship. So four years ago. No, uh, sorry, six, six years ago. Six years six ago. Years sorry. Ago. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, my bad. So... Math. <laughs> Okay, we're just getting a video package, so I guess I can just try to dissect this and figure this out. Yeah. So Raven, Raven defeated Diamond Dallas Page at Spring Stampede '98 for the U.S. title, and then promptly lost it the next night to Goldberg. On Nitro. <laughs> and then they, Raven and Page fought at Slamboree in a Bowery cage match, which was essentially a weapons cage match, but DDP won that. Oh. And then I'm sure they had like matches on Thunder and like I don't know if they fought on Nitro again, but I'm pretty sure they had like a match or two on Thunder. So I don't know what the context would be outside of that because there wasn't an interaction in WWE 
because they were both Alliance members. So yeah, I don't know. If 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 he's referencing beating him for the U.S. title at Spring Stampede, nineteen ninety eight, you're done. That's it. No, that'd be just amazing. <laughs> hey, April nineteenth, nineteen ninety eight, Denver, Colorado. You remember it? I do every day. It's when you beat me for the U.S. title. I'm here for revenge. Okay. Well, we oh. do some more Victory Road uh, videos, and now I believe. Yep, uh, Naturals. The Naturals, uh, friends of the show. Of course. We're 40 minutes in, 40 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, curious what else you got left on the show. Oh, AJ Styles. Now, a reminder... The Kings of Wrestling said they were going to take out uh, two of the best. best. Yeah, that's important to remember that. Um, Did I not mention? Okay, so the Naturals, I don't know if I mentioned this. I might as well do it again. It's important. Um, October 16th, the Naturals won the USA Championship Wrestling tag team titles when they defeated longtime favorites of the TNA Crestline podcast, Chris Vaughn and Rick Santel in 13 oh my minutes God. and 25 seconds. Do I get my card? Right here. The fact that you have a Rick Santel card right next to you just on a just in the moment to showcase is just baffling to me. But that's where we are. Gotta got do what we gotta do. Here comes Jeff Hardy. Mind you, this dude has been uh, getting his ass kicked for the last two times we've seen him. In a cage match and then a ladder match. So yeah, here he is. That's, uh, that's actually pretty true. It's kind of a bummer. No, it is. Um, I don't think he had any indie notes here. I feel like we're not going to get Jeff Hardy indie notes for a while. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, well, that was a quick search here. There is one in December. Oh, okay. But then outside of that... Uh, the next one is in November of 2005. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised about that. That's a, this is at least documented on. Right, right. On Cage Match. Okay, we're going to commercial. We're back, but we're seeing more of the interaction thing. So we're getting AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy, arguably two of the biggest in TNA, against the Naturals. So I can only take a wild guess of what's going to happen at the end of this match. I think the Kings of Wrestling are laying out the Naturals. Yeah. Fans are having a great time out here today. Wrestlers aren't because they're not. Look at this dude's awful facial hair. This is so bad. Look at those freaking awesome old school 8 by 10s that they got at the show. If you have one of those, send us a DM at Cross the Line TNA over on Twitter. We've seen this package too much already. On which I, I, yeah, I, I was just gonna say we get one time for that was enough. The others, yeah, the other highlights for Victory Road I get. Okay, we're back. We've already missed seven seconds of the match apparently, but all they did was walk around the ring. It looks like because they didn't even hit yet. Yeah, we got Douglas and Styles starting us off. Nope, nope. Duck the clothesline, leapfrog. Oh. 
And load over. Chase Stevens holding Andy Douglas. By the ways to prevent that. Uh, AJ Styles did have an indie note. He was also on that Halloween horror show on October 30th, which I'm sure I've mentioned, but I'll do it again. He defeated Jimmy Rave. I probably did mention that on the show before Victory Road. But you know what? I don't care. Now I know where I stand. So. Everything's fine over here. Leg drop, knee drop. Combo by Hardy and AJ. AJ almost tripped over Jeff Hardy's legs. Yeah, he did. Pin there. It's a two count. Thomas says no way. And Andrew Thomas being the referee just automatically screams ref bump. So. Oh, yeah. He is the ref bump referee. I feel like if we need one to go down, it's Andrew Thomas. Yeah. One of my favorite ones was when he, on the weekly pay-per-views, like, he literally had to lean in to someone's, like, strike. And he was, like, <laughs> out of the match. or not even in the corner. And he's like, oh, wait. Let me put my head in there. What's worse, that or when uh, Rudy Charles had to pull himself out of the ring because Shane Douglas missed his spot? No, that was bad. That was worse. That was worse. <laughs> that was pretty bad. AJ going for a suplex. No. Chase Stevens ramming AJ. Here comes Douglas. Uh, something about the naturals I, I, I want to point out. Is, uh, actually, no, I haven't even told you this, Dallas. I'll tell you uh, after the show. Though. Okay. Um Anytime that I see the Naturals are on, like, an independent show, I feel like a like it adds to me wanting to watch the show for some reason. I like the Naturals a lot. But I don't think it was like that before. Like, I liked, I've, I've always thought the Naturals were, like, good. But when I see them, let's say, against... I'm referencing, like, UWF, TNA with Hermie. Like, if it's the Naturals against Sabin and Dutt... It's like, oh, okay. That's probably a good match. It's, uh, Douglas just hit a backbreaker on AJ for a two count. How many of those UWF TNA shows are there? Is there a lot? Uh, so they started in January of 06, and they end in May of 08. Oh, so there's and, a lot. Well, I mean, some months there's, there's you know, double shots back-to-back. But a lot of months, it's just one. Well, actually, there's one that's a triple shot. If I had to guess, there's probably, in terms of like release shows, there's probably around 35, maybe? Oh, okay. That's way too many. I, I, I would highly uh, expect us to cover at least some of those as bonus episodes. Well, Dallas, I just want to point out that while I had some, uh, I think most of 06 on a hard drive, I may have purchased... Uh, the majority, if not all, of the shows on uh, DVD. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. The ones we don't cover, I will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> and they are master v- uh, master DVD copies. By the way. Wow. Uh, the Naturals have the upper hand here. Chase Stevens on the top rope. Styles groggy to his feet. Flying forearm. I mean, that was probably supposed to be a clothesline, but it looked like a forearm right to the forearm. Yeah, yeah. Chase Stevens tags out to Andy Douglas. Leading on the top rope. Oh, went for an axe handle, but he got punched right in the midsection. Here comes Jeff Hardy. The, the uncrowned, uncrowned NWA champion. Get out of here. Also, he literally also didn't known win. as the loser. Yeah, what? They're saying he should have won it. 
get a twist of fate, then like a uh, like a flatliner. That corner uh, drop kick to Stevens kicks Andy Douglas in the gut. Twist of fate, but he goes on his knees because he's right, a, knees too, yeah. he doesn't like going down. I guess. I just saw as a side note that Chris Harris posted that the Naturals and America's Wanted are doing like a dual signing somewhere in Tennessee, and I was like, why the fuck am I not there? Because you're not in Tennessee. Yeah, I'm pissed. Oh. Holy shit. What? Styles what? just flew over Chase Stevens and Hardy to hit Andy Douglas. That was pretty intense. Yeah, but he definitely <gasps> missed that. Whoa. Back body drop into the Styles clash. Whoa. You know, the last Whoa. time what? I, I saw something like that, well, there's two times. Number one, the Smoking Guns did that. Not the Styles clash, but it was like a pile driver. A backdrop into a pile driver. Bart would do it to, and the guy would go to Billy. I'm pretty sure. But also the faces of fear. Mang and Barbarian would do a pile driver, not a Styles Clash. That was quite impressive. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say we're going low on time, but here's here's the Kevin Ash's Are music. The, is there going to be a physical altercation, or is it just gonna be like a stare down? I don't know, dude. It kind of looks like they're going to... Well, it's important to know. It's Kevin Ash and Scott Hall are coming out one side. Where's Jarrett? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Where's Jarrett coming from? I mean, Kevin Ash literally just said earlier that he... Oh, okay. There's Jarrett sliding in the back with a chair, which is weird. Usually he has a guitar, but it's fine. Oh, fuck. Headshot to Hardy. Okay, so Jarrett just took out both Hardy and Styles by himself with a chair. And Scott Hall, Kevin Ash, just casually get into the ring. Are we going to see Scott the Hall signaling for the, the outside edge or the edge? Yeah. He just calls it the edge here, Bob. Come on, can't say the outsider. Excuse me. Of course, it's, that's on Styles, and we're going to get the jackknife powerbomb. Boom! Oh. Both at the same time, pretty much. The Kings of Wrestling. Wait, Scott, why is Kevin Ash standing up on the middle row? And we are going off the air. Okay, this so this is an obvious situation where TNA is just so different than what I think it was intended to ever be. You're closing your show with Hall and Nash standing tall, which is fine, but like DDP just came back. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I vividly remember watching this show with my buddy Anthony. And I think when DDP came out, we were like, oh, shit, yeah, dude, DDP. I don't remember the reaction for Hall and Nash laying out Hardy and Styles. But what I will ask this, though, is, Dallas, if if you were to go back in time, would you ever envision, let's say, peak Nitro? which let's say is like 97, that in seven years, Hall and Nash would be feuding with guys named AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy. <laughs> no. <laughs> on a Friday afternoon for a company called Impact Wrestling. Uh, no, no, I think that's safe to say not. No. Um, I, don't, I don't see how realistically AJ and Jeff would overcome Hall and Nash. And even though Hall and Nash are... Well past their prime. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, but I guess 
it's hard to say. I mean, we probably are going to be feuding with them, but they haven't like come out and quite said that yet. But that's also interesting to me because, um, I mean, realistically, AJ Styles went back to the X Division, and now all of a sudden he's like going to get involved again. I guess. I mean, I right. guess if if want to get real technical here, he did attack Jarrett after the steel cage match. Mm-hmm. So there is some kind of a connection there. Hardy and Styles have a past of as being a team with each other, mm-hmm. or teaming with each other, I should say. Um, there's some things to grab onto, I guess. Um, do I think it's makes the most sense? Probably not. But at the same time, what are we gonna do? <laughs> I I think for for me, though, I, was, I I want I want. Um, I would want AJ and Jeff to go over, but for me, it's like a level of just believability. Right, right. No, that's definitely what's going on. So, is AJ going to hit a Styles Clash on either? No, no, no. Hardy could hit the Swanton on one of them. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I don't kind know. of a weird situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the the fan base, uh, or not the fan base, the the wrestlers in the back being kind of pissed off by this because it's like we're reverting backwards to what killed off WCW. Like this was supposed to be different than not mm-hmm. just a later version of or lesser than WWE or whatever. Right. Well, the thing that worries me is we, we thought we had a reign of terror before as we called uh, Jarrett's title reign. However, I think it's, I think it's going to get worse. Oh, I don't even, yeah, I don't think we're, Involving Nash and Scott Hall with Jer- I mean, how? Yeah. I and you know what I'm gonna say too. I think one of our issues here is if in fact Randy Savage has quit, and it's just like, well, we don't know what to do. If we kind of are falling, we're kind of falling apart a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a, it puts it in a weird position of what's gonna happen. Like, is he supposed to fight Jarrett, and then they had to pivot, or I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like it's a weird situation. Right. Um, I mean, I would, would you just do the Kings of wrestling, which I don't know if I'm going to ever be comfortable with that phrase, like getting used to it. So do you, do you, would you promote if you were for turning point, I'm just trying to think of what you would promote for a main event. Would you do the Kings of wrestling against AJ, uh, Hardy and a mystery guy and have it be savage? Or do you still just say savage if everything's smoothed over? I would say mystery guy if I can't rely on Savage. Uh-huh. Yeah, it has to be. And then if you if Savage doesn't come in, the mystery guy could just be like Monty Brown. Right. Even if he wrestles twice in the same show. Which would still make sense. Yeah, I don't think that'd be a problem. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's kind of a weird uh show after. I do think the interview or the I'll say the interview, but the the promo in the beginning I feel like was kind of a little long because we didn't need yes. a story time by Kevin Nash. Um, DDP's debut was exciting, but I can't wait to hear about the what he's the finishing stuff he's got to do with Raven there. Um, but it does look like we're continuing Abyss and Monty Brown potentially. Uh, I mean, Abyss attacked him, and I'm excited about the X Division title picture because Saban did in fact have a counter. I think Saban could win now. So do I. I'm just surprised that they would show the counter on TV. 
I think that's almost why they did it to be like, look, he can do it to make yeah. you really think that oh, he is gonna win, and then maybe we'll get a little switcheroo and he won't win. I think I think you're right. I just would have thought number one that PD would avoid it, like avoid him in general, so not even allow that to happen. And you like just tease it a lot going to pay per view, and then eventually on pay per view he countered it in a bigger moment. Right. Because your first time you're seeing is on pay per view instead of oh he. Remember when he did it in, on Impact in that you know, brawl or whatever. Right. Uh, well, overall, what did, what did you think about this sh- uh, show? The first one after, well, the first Impact, I should say, after Victory Road. Where are you at? Uh, I mean, I think it was a good show. I, I just, I don't, again, I don't know how I feel. I think you're, lo- no pun intended here, but I think you're losing your impact by having Paige debut so quickly after there has to be a longer stretch of like breathing. I think the I think Hall and Ash should have been together here on TV with Jared for at least a month before you introduce Paige. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. I think I, I agree with everything you've said, um, and I I also I did like the show, and I think it's a little too early to to be like okay, I hate this direction completely of the whole story or not, but. I think in coming weeks we'll have a uh, better feeling on the whole situation. Yeah. And now another thing here that I've, I've been saying, um, you know, that uh, the, the the WCW legends, if you want to call them again, your Hall Nash, Luger, but if he doesn't come in, doesn't matter. Page, Johnny B. Bad, whatever. These guys should be losing two guys. Now, I think initially they should go over. Because that's what you would expect. But at the closing moment of a feud or whatever, they need to then lose. Right. So they shouldn't be winning feuds. They can win matches, but they can't be winning feuds. So if the if Hall and Nash were to feud with America's, America's Most Wanted down the line, um, and let's say AMW were the tag team champions, and I mean, Hall and Nash can win the titles like initially from mm-hmm. them, but there needs to be that, you know, that clear closing point of the feud where AMW win. Right. So that's how I, that's how I kind of envision it. Same. I mean, I think that, I think that works a lot easier for heels. So like Paige clearly coming in as a baby face. I don't think he would be losing to heels. Right. Unless you really want to like, like an abyss maybe, but. If he's starting off with Raven, I feel like he is going to beat Raven. Mm-hmm. So then whoever that next feud would be with a heel. Because, again, you're introducing DDP. The win over Raven, not a big deal. Cool. Raven's an established name. That's fine. But if he were to then feud with, uh, like, let's say, Abyss, Abyss should probably beat DDP. But I don't know if they would do that. Yeah, no, I hear you. I agree with that. Definitely. Uh, we have it's gonna be uh, pretty interesting going forward, man. I'm really interested to see where we go. Uh, what I will say is a little bit of a teaser. Our next episode, I think, in a while, probably since some of the crazy weeklies, has some of the most uh, interesting uh, notes that we're gonna talk about before the show. Oh, notes. Okay. I thought you were going to say matches. Like, what the hell's going on? No. It's, notes, dude. Oh, God. Some of the backstage stuff that we're going to talk about 
between next week and the week after alone already is crazy. I mean, there's some really crazy stuff, and I will tease one more thing. There is, I'm going to say it's a very famous TNA segment that we will uh, we'll discuss next week before the show. We won't, we won't be seeing it, but it happened. I'm going to tease you with that. I won't say any more until next episode. I, I might know what you're talking about. I think you do. All right. Um, that should wrap up this week's episode. Next week, we will be back uh, with the November 19th edition of Impact as we continue on towards the second second pay-per-view known as Turning Point. Until then, for Dallas Greeley, I am Bob Hine Jr., and this has been the TNA Crossline Podcast. Natural.